Welcome to the Shepherd's Crick Podcast. This ministry exists to provide coaching, resources, and events for pastors and church members. My name is Jared Sparks. Join me as I talk pastoral ministry, applied theology like manhood and womanhood, political theology, and cultural analysis with a little bit of hunting and fishing thrown in. I'm a husband, a father, and a pastor, and I'm here to remind you of the chief pastor and our king, Jesus. Hello and welcome back to the Shepherd's Script Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day today. We are. I'm recording a little bit later in the day just because we were house-sitting for some friends. It was our last day. I wasn't able to get up and record this morning, so here it is. It's lunchtime, and you guys are getting the episode today here on Monday. We're going to continue our series talking about being fully convinced in your own mind about a personal doctrinal issue, and yet recognizing in the body of Christ there's going to be some differences, and we need to be open-handed about those differences. And so we want to be fully convinced, and yet generous or gracious with those who are different than us. So we're going to read that passage from Romans chapter 14 and here in just a second, but we're going to pray and ask the Lord's help, and then we'll get into our content for the day. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time. Ask for blessing. Lead this next few minutes. Help me to be clear and helpful on how brothers can dwell together in unity, even in the context of the same local church. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're talking about gifts of the Spirit today. How can continuationists and cessationists get, get along together and not divide and become sectarian? Because there's, we all know, spirit churches, and then there's word churches, and there's cessationist churches, and continuationists or charismatic churches. And yet, I think in the context of a local body, we can agree and be in unity uh, around the sufficiency of Scripture. And so we'll get to that here in just a minute. But a uh, reminder, Sons and Slaves podcast, check that out if you can. Subscribe. And we are going to have some great conversations over there, me and the boys, about all things boyhood, manhood, fatherhood. I'm going to be doing some interviews with really good fathers about fatherhood. The first one is already up. That is with Doug Wilson. Talking about fatherhood, I actually have another Doug Wilson interview that's going to be releasing for the, Shepherd, uh, the Shepherd's Crook this Thursday. We're going to be talking about some content about this series about in the areas of eschatology and how we can unify uh, for those that have differing eschatologies in the context of the local church. So you'll want to make sure and check that out. But over in the Sons of Slaves, episode, that episode with Doug Wilson is already posted, so check that out. Also, the YouTube channel is now going. I'm uploading instead of only being exclusively on Gab. That came back to bite me in the butt a little bit, and I'm going to upload to YouTube, and when Gab's new platform comes up uh, and is able to receive video, I'll start uploading again there, but I'm going to continue to upload at YouTube, so follow the link in the show notes, and you can go to the YouTube page if you want to follow along via video. All right, thanks so much, guys. It's my 13th anniversary today. Jordan and I got married 13 years ago, and it's been a phenomenal 13 years. We've just had so much fun, and God has been so faithful in our marriage to bless our marriage in ways we never would have expected to make us into people that we didn't know we could be. I mean, we're totally different people than when we got married. God has been so transformative in our lives, and Jordan is a better woman than when we got married, and, and by God's grace, I've become a better man since we got married, and to be able to see our children grow up in front of us and now to be blessed with a fourth child, a third son, God is just so faithful, and it's just been a lot of fun. And so 13 years of marriage. Marriage is wonderful when you marry a godly woman. Men out there, don't marry a woman that's not a godly woman. What I tell my boys is you want to find a woman that's a, that's that's pretty, that you're attracted to, that's lo- that loves Jesus, that loves being a woman, and that likes you. If you find a woman like that, marry her. 
that's what God gave me, and it's been a lot of fun. So however many more years God gives us on this earth, I'm, I'm excited to live those out with Jordan and, and have a blast in our marriage. It's just a, a lot of fun. Make sure you like one another, right? I mean, we're married and we love each other, but we also like each other, and that's really important in a marriage as well, that you like one another. You don't want to be married for 30, 40, 50 years and just you know say you stuck it out. You really want to enjoy your time together. And we certainly do, and life is a lot of fun. So, okay, uh, we're talking about how we can be unified in the body of Christ. The rallying point for the eschatology debate that we talked about last week is the future return of Christ, not necessarily nailing down the timeline of events, prophetic events, when they happened, or if they're going to happen in the future. And that debate rages on. It's going to continue to range on. But what people can rally around is the fact that Jesus really is return, returning to judge the living and the dead. Uh, and we have this future promises of a resurrected body and an eternal reign with Christ. And so it's just a, a lot of fun thinking about all of that. Rallying point is the return of Christ. Jesus is coming back and he's going to judge the living and the dead. Praise God. Then um, we're talking about gifts of the Spirit and the cessation of the works of the Spirit in the, in the specific areas of the four sign gifts. So uh, miracles, healing, um, tongues, prophecy. Does that continue on or has those gifts cease ceased? And how can people who answer those questions differently get along? We're called to be fully convinced in our own mind. This is what it says. One person esteems one day better than the other, while another person esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The two examples here on not passing judgment on one another are food, drink, well, food, not drink isn't mentioned, but food and days. Okay, one day better than the other. So hardline Sabbatarians versus non-hardline Sabbatarians and you there to be fully convinced. Like, I know that I know that I know, and yet I recognize that this is some sort of secondary doctrine. It's not an essential in the faith. It's a tertiary doctrine. Therefore, you can be fully convinced, and I can be fully convinced, and yet we can come to the table together as brothers, and we can dwell together in unity and have fun talking about this around the campfire. I think this should happen in the areas of the gifts of the Spirit as well. And I'm going to explain what I mean by this, because there's a lot of talking back and forth with one another, and there's serious questions that bubble to the surface, whether you're a charismatic or whether you're a cessationist, about your position. And what happens what, what happens often, just like debates in all areas and disciplines in theology, is we can caricature one another. And instead of loving one another, being gracious to one another, and instead of identifying what are these open-handed issues that we can see differently, we end up fighting and building walls, and what ends up happening is we become way more sectarian than I think we should be. And I think eschatology, I mean, excuse me, eschatology as well. I think the area of the gifts of the Spirit in this particular conversation that, that we can work together. In our church, there's been an example of this. We have hardline cessationists in our church, and we have uh, convinced charismatics in our church. And we work together. We don't make this a dividing issue, nor do we, nor do I think we have a watered-down church of, of men and women that don't know why they believe what they believe. They love the Scriptures, they press into the Scriptures, and they're fully convinced because they're convinced by the Scriptures not by experience or lack thereof, but they're fully convinced by the scriptures of their position. Okay, so let's first talk about cessationism. For my charismatic brothers and sisters, what you have to know about cessationists is that they do believe in miracles. They do believe in praying for healing. They do believe in the present and active work of the Holy Spirit. They don't believe that the Holy Spirit doesn't work at all. But they do have great concern about the sufficiency of scripture and the authority of scripture in all of life. They go to passages like 2 Corinthians, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for approval, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be co co complete, equipped for every good work. Every good work that God calls you to, 
The scriptures are competent to build you up and equip you for any work that God calls you to, to give you the wisdom, to give you the principles, to give you the direction to do what God's called you to do. If you don't ever get any sort of Holy Spirit nudge or any sort of information download or any sort of charismatic gift kind of moment, you have all you need to live your life. So that's number one, what a cessationist will go to. The second area that a cessationist will go to would be a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And they will say this, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. For tongues, they will cease. For knowledge, it will pass. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And the debate is, what is the perfect? The charismatic says the perfect is Jesus. When Jesus comes, these will pass away. The cessationist comes back and says, well, wait a minute, Jesus has never called the perfect, and this is problematic if you call Jesus the perfect one, because he's never called the perfect one anywhere else in all the scriptures. So what they argument, or what they argue for, is that this is the closing of the canon. When the perfect and complete revelation from God comes to the church, these other things that are imperfect or or that are partial, those will pass away. They will cease. Then we will have perfect knowledge and we will know exactly what God wants us to know. We will know and we won't be seeing in a glass uh, dimly, but we will be seeing as face to face. We will fully know as we have been fully known. We will know the revelation of God. Rather than being dependent upon a local prophet giving us a prophetic word, we will, be, we won't, we will have the prophetic word, the scriptures in front of us. And this is what the cessationists argue. And so... Charismatics need to understand that cessationists are not, they have a high value of God's word, and they're not saying that miracles never happen, okay? So, cessationists uh, are like that. Continuationist charismatics need to understand that about them. They love God's word, they love Jesus, they love the mission, and expect the Holy Spirit to move and work, but in different ways than the charismatic. Now, on the other side, let me speak to the cessationists a little bit, because the charismatics, good ones anyways, are really concerned about God's word. And they are really troubled when they hear cessationists say things like, in fact, I was watching a video and reading books about this and studying this and have been doing this for years. And as I read and I hear cessationists say, don't go seeking after prophecy. Don't desire the gift of tongues. And then I read a passage like this. If anyone does not recognize this, he's not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. The charismatic is really concerned with what the scripture says here. And they'll say things like this. Wait wait a minute. If the cessationist comes along and forbids speaking in tongues, that's a violation of what this says right here. And there's a a real problem with a cessationist that says, "Well, well, that was then, this is now. Because in the very same passage, cessationists usually are hardline conservatives and they are fundamentalist, a lot of them anyways, not all of them, uh, in many different areas, but they're also strong in their understanding of male-female roles and the commands of God to men and women. And in the same passage, we're told that the women should keep silent in the churches. Well, what do the progressives do? Well, progressives, liberals, they all say, that was then, this is now. And a charismatic has a deep problem that a conservative charismatic that loves God's word has a deep problem with a cessationist whose primary argument about the ceasing of the gifts or one of the primary arguments is that was then, this is now. Don't you see how that's deeply troubling? In the same passage, if that's your hermeneutical guide in the study and application of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you take one paragraph earlier and say, that's forever and abiding, and then you say, that was then, this is now, about tongues and prophecy, then 
you're doing the same thing in this particular argument as the progressive or liberal does with the issues uh, with the issues of sexual ethics in the Bible and gender roles in the Bible. So that's inconsistent. And the charismatic it wants to be faithful to say, well, listen, I, I, I'm trying to be faithful to see this in front of me. And so practically then, two people that are fully convinced. And <clears throat> for the cessationists, you need to understand that the charismatics, a lot of their position, the good ones, they are rooted in the, they're trying to be faithful to the scriptures, the very thing that you love. Okay, so let's not caricature one another. Now, same church, because it's easy to be, again, sectarian, charismatic church, word church. This is a spirit church. This is a word church. Haven't you heard about that before? That, that uh, kind of that false dichotomy here. So let's break down that false dichotomy. Let's just shatter that and say, uh, push comes to shove, rubber meets the road, a convinced charismatic, a convinced cessationist, John MacArthur and a Wayne Grudem or somebody, I don't know. Okay. Those kind of people in the same church, can they dwell together in unity and how? And I think, yes. Number one, the rallying point for both of our brothers and sisters in Christ in this particular issue is the scriptures. That's the rallying point, the sufficiency of the scripture. And for my cessationist friends, they're like, yes, I love it. That's great. That's what we want. My continue or my charismatic friends, you've got to really lean into that and believe it wholeheartedly that if the Holy Spirit never, once again, the rest of your life nudges you, gives you a word, gives you information download, anything like that at all, you aren't going to be sad about it, and it's, it, you're not going to you're not going to think, oh, how am I going to live life? Because the scriptures have given you everything you need for life and godliness to to do every good work that God's called you to do. You can be equipped to do that through the scriptures. Isn't that good news? And I think that's the rallying point. Okay, let's let's get to another rubber meets the road situation in the context of a local church. When I stand up and I say, if you want to hear God speak, read the Bible. And I say that authoritatively. And I say, if you want to hear God speak audibly, read the Bible out loud. And I'll say that and mean it with every ounce of my body. Just, just I say it and say it authoritatively. If you want to hear him speak, go to the scriptures. Now, charismatics, they don't need to have sweaty palms about that. Yes and amen. There has to be a hearty yes and amen about that. Right? Okay. For my cessationist friends, in, the, in our church... We've talked about this before as an elder team. What if somebody stands up and they speak in a language, an unknown language? And now if it's a known language and somebody interprets it, the Acts, very Acts chapter 2-ish, that's one thing. But there's this other kind of language that would be an unknown language from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. What happens then if somebody uh, has an unknown language that's praise to God? And that's what the Bible tells us, that tongues are to God, prophecy is to people. What do we do about that? What I think I would do, it, we would just be stand, just stand up and say, now listen, this is going to be a hot button issue here, and we're going to have to be in a Romans chapter 14 kind of way, gracious with, with one another. Because for the cessationists in the room, I realize that you don't believe that this is from God here. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be gracious with them. And for my continuationist friends in the room, for this to be faithful, there needs to be an interpretive word given. And we need to understand one another and be gracious to one another. And let's make it as unweird as possible as we possibly can. But what we're trying to grapple with is how two people can be convinced in their own mind based on the scriptures and what the scriptures teach and yet come to differing conclusions and then come to the table together and 
practically, how's this going to work itself out in the local church? So when those differences come up, we have to run to passages like this to say, hey, listen, just be generous with one another, be gracious with one another, and let's get a prophetic word interpreted, or excuse me, a, a tongue interpreted, and see what God would have to say if this is uh, of him for my uh, for my charismatic brothers, and for my uh, cessationist brothers, they're going to be quick to say, okay, but what does the, does God's word have to say? And that's what we would do, is we say, okay, if, if this is faithful with God's word, okay, then the, can, the charismatics in the room, okay, consider this and wrestle with this. If it's unfaithful to God's word, we're going to throw it out completely and say, please don't do that again. And I think that's the way we would approach it. But all I know is, instead of having these churches that are the, the, the big, you know, figurehead churches, the spirit church of the word church, in the context of a local church, my goodness, this is tertiary. We don't have to have this as a central doctrine within the church that requires members all to be uniform on this particular issue. Because I think the scriptures, the arguments can be made both ways where you're like, okay, I see where you're coming from. I really do. I mean, I see where you're coming from here. And I don't agree, but I'm going to be gracious with you. And so I think the charismatic and the cessationists can come to the table together, agree to disagree, just like those with eschatology, having different differing eschatologies, and we can rally around the sufficiency of Scripture. If we can't rally around the sufficiency of Scripture, then we're not going to be able together to, to be together in unity. If we can rally around the sufficiency of Scripture, then we're going to be all right. And I want this for our church. I don't want it to be a divisive issue. I want this for more churches. And if... Uh, if you're like me, you want to see us unified in those particular things. Okay, guys, thanks so much for listening. Please, again, uh, just keep coming back. So follow those links in the show notes, all that good stuff. And if you want to be a part of the newsletter, please let me know. We've uh, had a growing subscription this month, so thank you guys, and would love to hear from more of you. I'm going to be sending that out here in the next week. So if you want in, let me know, and I'll get you in for this next month. Five bucks a month, that's it for, uh, for, the, for the subscription. Okay, guys, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. For more information, you can go to theshepherdscrook.co. Please consider leaving a rating or review on iTunes. And if you want to become a member of the Shepherd's Crook, please message me and we'll get you on the list. We hope you have a great rest of your day.